Hi, my name is Jenna Ayub. I work for Boom Studios, and you are listening to Soundtrack Alley. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I've got Erica Christie with me as we interview Craig Saffin about his new project called Sirens. We'll go into discussing how he arrived at doing the project, what future projects he has in the works, and more. It's all today on Soundtrack Alley. Welcome to Soundtrack Alley. Erica, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much, Randy. It was a great interview we had with Craig, so glad we get to talk about him a little bit more. Yeah, and having that interview, it's just so cool because he's got this project with this thing called Sirens, and when this podcast goes up, the in the show notes, we'll be able to send people to the link for his website to where there will be video that they can actually watch uh, from that very uh, album. So that'll be kind of cool. Awesome. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Craig Saffin's interview before we start it? Um, Other than I think it's really awesome when someone kind of does things a little bit different than people are expecting. Um, so he mentioned a couple times that he wanted the the album to be atmospheric. And before we talked to him, that was literally the word that I used to describe the couple of tracks of Sirens I had heard as I kept writing atmospheric on things. Uh, so hearing him say that was awesome. <laughs> um, and I just kind of I, like the songs don't they're not really like beginning, middle, end type mm-hmm. thing. They just kind of like evoke feelings in you. Um, and I just it was such like a breath of fresh air air for him to do this album that was completely different I think from what people are expecting maybe from what he's done before from it was more like a concept album really just sort of water and swells and uh you know the Odysseus myth which it's kind of loosely based on um it was just it was just a lot of fun getting to sit down and listen to this particular album yeah I would definitely agree um so why don't we go ahead and play that interview. Hi, Craig. Yeah, hi. Hi, how are you? Oh, hey. Uh, how okay. you been? I'm good. Good. It's so nice to get to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been so, a while. Yeah. So we're back again, being able to uh, interview you for this uh, special project that you had. And you had the release of uh, Sirens. Um, Sirens is being released actually tomorrow. Oh, okay. June 1st. That's amazing. Yeah, this this podcast, fortunately, will not come out tomorrow. It'll be like a little bit later. So, Uh, it's getting released through Verez Saraband, isn't it? That's correct. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about it. 
Yeah, and they, they they've been very supportive. So that's, and I didn't even know they would release uh, original material. Usually they release, you know, film scores, but uh, mm-hmm. they occasionally release original material. I guess of composers they like. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good collaboration that they could be mm-hmm. able to do. Are they doing like a like a special CD release of it? Like um, anything special in the jacket or anything? Well, they we have original artwork and a little booklet and uh, liner notes and you know the usual that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's just a regular release. Okay. But obviously, if it's not a movie, it does, when you release a movie, it comes with all that material already built into it. Because mm-hmm. the studios have already done a logo and artwork and the whole bit. But on this, we really had to start from scratch. So I had some great photographs I'll tell you about that uh, they used. And we got a wonderful artist who did my last uh, CD, Rough Magic. Oh, yeah. A, a guy named Mark Bassant who does a lot of work for Invader Records. Are you, are you must be familiar with Invader Records. Um, not too familiar. They do things, uh, I think they've done a lot of, like, they did Warning Sign, the, the disc of mine and, and CD. And uh, it's Jeff Barrow's company from uh, Portishead, that's what it's called, the band. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of England. They do a lot of soundtracks. I think they did all the Hannibal soundtracks that uh, Brian did, Brian Wrightsell, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, Clint, uh, what's his name, who did Solaris and all that. Oh, okay. They do a lot of, uh, and a lot of uh, vinyl. Oh, nice. So this guy. has become so much, so popular once again, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Varez is planning to release an old movie I did, Remo Williams, on vinyl. Oh, okay. Pretty cool. That is cool. That is it's already cool. had like three releases on <laughs> on uh, CD, so mm-hmm. go back to vinyl. I don't have a, I don't have a record player, so. <laughs> oh, neither do I. <laughs> but, how about, how about you, know, Erica? Yep, I have a record player that also does CDs and cassettes. Oh, nice. So uh-huh. mine is super, super fancy. And when I bought the record player, I went all out and bought Thriller 25th Anniversary as my first record to go with it. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I haven't made the transition. I think I grew up with all those turntables, and it's hard to go back to that. But, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but people love it. People love it, and it's a big market now, you know? It's a big mm-hmm. niche market. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of crazy how things come back around, you know. Well, I think I I think what happens is that with everything being streamed, there's people like like me. I'm a collector. I love collecting things, and so my wife too. And it's hard to collect something that you can't really collect. What am I collecting? A list? Yeah. On Spotify, is that a collection? I don't think so. So, so I think this sort of physicality appeals to a certain kind of person i collect old sheet music mm-hmm. and uh, you know we collect all sorts of stuff around our house but uh you know i think i think people like to have a physical something they can read and hold in their hands and covet and put in a plastic 
envelope for the yeah. future? I don't know. Like a, like for me, I was telling someone because I was telling them that I had just bought the uh, release of Solo on CD, and uh-huh. they're like, "Who buys CDs anymore?" And I'm like, "I, I needed to have the tangible proof that I own the CD." Right. I have it. It is mine. I can be able to play this wherever I want. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're right. And uh, I, I just sent out to a lot of people in the industry about the, the release with a, a link to SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And then I put a line, if gasp, you want an actual CD, email me and I'll send you one. But I still think there's a pretty big market for CD worldwide. Yeah. It's still and now more and more, uh, I have a, in fact, the guy who uh, produced and mixed Sirens, Greg Crestopino, mm-hmm. he was just complaining that he was looking for a new car to buy, and most cars don't have CD players in them anymore. Yeah, that's true. And, mm-hmm. you know, record people listen to a lot of music in cars. That's sort of traditionally where you would be listening to mixes and listening to what you did and takes, because yeah, you're on the, you know, you're on the road a lot in L.A., so... It, it's hard to find a car that has a CD player anymore. Well, I have a 2007 Kia Spectra. It has a CD player. I have a, 19, <laughs> I have a 1999 BMW uh, convertible, and it definitely has a CD player. Yeah. <laughs> well, those are good running cars. I mean, you know, they last hey, a long time. so it, it lasts, and I don't drive that much. so <laughs> That's great. So I have a few questions for you regarding okay. even the special release of the uh, uh, Sirens album. Um, Now, one thing that I was looking back, and I guess maybe the last time I interviewed you, I kind of totally spaced it off that you had done music for Cheers. Yeah, Um, I did. I did. I was on Cheers for 11 years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like it was like a side gig because... Mm-hmm. A typical episode of Cheers would have three minutes of music in it. And so I'd get a call every three, four weeks. Hey, Craig, you want to do two, three episodes? I'd write them overnight, record them the next morning. I mean, so, but it was, a, so I never thought much of it. It was just, I knew the producer was a good friend of mine, Jimmy Burroughs, the director. And, uh, you know, so I just did it. Who knew that it was going to last that long? And, uh, but I was doing all these movies at the same time, so it was really like like a, a side gig. But I was on it from the first episode to the last. So yeah, wow, that's, that's really amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah, all those little transitions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> thousands of transitions. That would be. I mean, considering eleven years, and how do you think it shaped even like even just doing those little bits at a time? How do you think it shaped part of your composing career? Well, uh, the concept in Cheers from the beginning was it was a really bad bar band late at night, and somebody came in who played clarinet not very well <laughs> and <laughs> couldn't really hit all the notes. And so that was always that was it from the first episode. That's the way Cheers was. So I, I played piano in all of them. It was always the same little group of people. And we used to call it the bar band from Mars because I would try to find the weirdest ways to write 
piano and clarinet and drums and guitar, which is pretty much all it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, le- I learned a lot about writing for clarinet. The, the guy who played the clarinet, I had a few different people, but they would go, Craig, can I take this part and show it to my students to see what they have to play on these gigs? Because <laughs> I'd, write, I'd write huge jumps, which on the piano were very easy, but on a clarinet are really technically difficult. So I learned a lot about writing for clarinet, and it was fun. It was a fun group, you know, and we never knew that it was going to become that big of a show. The first year it was yeah. almost canceled. So oh, wow. Yeah, and and yet there you were doing it for 11 years. So. I know. I know. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the next question I had uh, was that fairly recently in 2014 you had been awarded the Basil Paladoris Award for film music for a film music legend. Uh, how did that affect even your compu- composing for music or for film and even other projects? Well, I don't think it affected my composing, but it was okay. a nice thing to get. I had no idea. I was conducting in Spain Mm-hmm. at the uh, International Film Music uh, Festival, I guess. Nice. And and at the end, and I had one night that was pretty much all mine, and I was conducting, you know, different overtures and things. And at the end of it, all of a sudden, I get this award, and people come on stage, and it was a total surprise. I had no idea. My publicist knew, but I didn't know. Oh, wow. So it was, it was a lot of fun, and the people were really nice, the people who... Uh, ran the run the festival are really you know they're diehard film music fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's as only Spanish people can be. Like I mean, they're just so into it and lovely and generous. So I felt great. Plus, I knew Basil. Uh, we were neighbors. We you know we both lived in Santa Monica, and we were about the same age. We sort of came up at the same time. So you know, I knew him over the years. So it was it was an honor. He was a wonderful awesome. composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, were there any specific film scores that uh, you admired of his that were maybe some influences for you? Well, I don't think he was an influence because he was more of a contemporary. Okay. Uh, however, I love Lonesome Dove. I remember he did that, and that was a fantastic score. And there was a movie that I can't quite put my finger on. I think it was for John Milius, but do you know what it was? What were some of his scores? Uh, uh, he did he Red did, Dawn. Um, he did Red Dawn. He did uh, Quickly Down Under. He did. Right. Um, he did a lot of B- Peter v- Verhoeven movies. Like, oh yeah, yeah. He did RoboCop, and he yeah. did. Uh, oh, what else? Yeah. Um, well, I re- what I really re- what I really Bruce. remember yeah. what I think I remember the most is Lonesome Dove because. Yeah. I saw it on TV, and I've probably seen it two or three times, because whenever it's rerun on television, I it's such a good show that I always like to watch it. So, uh, oh, yeah. And the, music, the music's <laughs> terrific. So, yeah. He was a very nice guy, too. Yeah. I, he, I mean, the way he would compose music seemed like he was a real down-to-earth person. Um, yeah. So the next question I have is, can you tell me a little bit about why you've chosen to call uh, this new album Sirens, and how does it relate to what the Odyssey is? Well, this is not literally 
the Odyssey. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm going episode by episode of the Odyssey. But I've always loved the Odyssey since I was very young. And I sort of got it in my head that I'd like to write something that felt like the Odyssey, but on a deeper level than literally going, here's the Cyclops, here's, you know, mm-hmm. which is more like what a film, you you know, if I did a Harry Harryhausen movie of it or the Kirk Douglas movie, it was more like my impressions of the subtext. And I always loved the water and uh, grew up around the water. And I love the image of the sirens that this, these uh, sea creatures who would lure men to their death. So it has all that sort of psychosexual stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I just love, I was just always fascinated by it and fascinated by all the artwork that came out of it from the Greek period on. And I just thought, wow, I, I want to write something about this. And if you look at the album, there are maybe three cuts on it that are directly about water, really four, that are really about water and sirens and sound of waves. And then I really wanted to uh, find out, well, where were these islands? And I started doing research, and nobody knows for sure because it's really a myth. But there's a lot of uh, academic work that's been done and it seems like most of these islands are around Sicily, the islands around Sicily and North Africa. Mm-hmm. They aren't really around Greece. It's like he, he was going, if you look from Troy, which is western Turkey now, going around back to his island, which is on the west side of, and nobody really knows where Ithaca is, because the Ithaca of today is not the same Ithaca that he lived in. Mm-hmm. But as he went around, he got blown out, blown off course, and went towards, like I said, like North Africa, Sicily, the Aeolian Islands. So I thought, well, this is a great excuse to go visit Sicily. Not that you need a great excuse to visit Sicily. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> but uh, but I, but when you went there, you went, well, that rock out there in the ocean is called the Sirens Rock. Hmm. That place is called the Cyclops Rocks, that beach with the big stones on it. So the, the the Aeolian Islands, well, the, the god Aeolus, or Aeolus, is a big part of the Odyssey. And uh, the only place I really couldn't go to, uh, I think the Lotus Eaters is supposed to be on the coast of uh, Libya, maybe. I don't know, whatever the North African country, just below Sicily. But it's not a especially safe place to visit right now. Yeah. <laughs> so even though it's a big tourist destination, I think, for some people. but So I didn't do that. But I went all around Sicily and sort of looked for all these places. And uh, the uh, Scylla and Charbadri, which was the Straits of Medina. So I went right to where that was. And it was really fascinating. And there's a huge amount of, like I said, lore and names and cafes Etc. that are named after incidents in the Odyssey. Mm-hmm. But to me, the center of the Odyssey, besides the story itself, and what really I resonated with was the sirens and the gods. And so I think that's sort of where the music started taking me, and I just love the image of the sirens and the name sirens, so I went with it. 
But like I said, it's not literally step-by-step mm-hmm. step programmatic music that's taking you episode through episode of the Odyssey. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. And the way the tracks are lined up, it doesn't make it seem like it's going through the Odyssey like, you know, like progressively and... Anything, no. But but a lot of the uh, tracks seem to be like inspired by yeah. some of the events that happened within right. that that uh, story. Right. You have Poseidon. You have twists and turns. And uh, Odysseus was known as the man of twists and turns because he could sort of get out of anything and into anything. And you have uh, a lot of siren. Uh, you also have uh, Persephone, who took Odysseus into the underground on the River Styx. Mm-hmm. You have that cue. Uh, so you have a lot. You, you know, but not every piece is literally the Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good though. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to do something that literal. That seemed yeah. sort of boring to me. Yeah, and have you always enjoyed? Uh, that story, though, like the, you know, Homer's Odyssey and always what it since means. I was since I was a little boy, and actually I can remember when I was in grade school that the very first book at, uh, when I would when I went into the library and I mean I was in the fourth or fifth grade, the first book I took out was a book of myths, and just sitting I can remember physically sitting there reading it. And looking at the pictures, and I've been fascinated by it ever since. And even my last album, Rough Magic, which was based on the Paleolithic uh, cave art, mm-hmm. that's totally mythic too. I mean, that's all mythic. Mm-hmm. It's all symbols and myths and hunts, and so I went there with that too. That seems to be a, a recurring theme. I'm not sure what the next album's <laughs> going to be, but I'm probably won't be exactly the same, but. They're good excuses to go visit cool places. Let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Craig, it, what is it about the myths that you like so much? I, I think since I was really young, I, I don't know why, but I always felt that when I'd watch my parents and their friends talking, I always felt they were lying and not really telling the truth. And I always felt there was a deeper truth to life than all this surface stuff that they would talk about. And the myths connected to me on that level as sort of whatever it is, I'm not a very religious person, but whatever it is, there's a deeper truth to life. And it sort of always has been portrayed to me in in myths. And even, I mean, I remember in college discovering Joseph Campbell. I don't know if you know who he is, but who, who yes, he was. Know him very well. <laughs> Good, yeah. So The Hero's Journey and all his books on different uh, mythology. He has a, a whole string of books he wrote on mythology. And, uh, you know, so, th- so and I was in school in the, in the like, late 60s, so that was a, sort of going around at that, at that point. Uh, so I've been, I've been involved with myths. Actually, interestingly enough, I got married in 77, and in 78, my wife and I went to Europe for the first time. I had lived in Europe, but I took her and even back then, I wasn't even a film composer then. I was a songwriter. Hmm. And even back then, 
we made the journey to the sort of southwest parts of France and went to a lot of the caves because I wanted to see them. So, I mean, that, and that's a long time ago. So I've been pretty into this for a long time. That's mm-hmm. great. Excellent, yeah. So um, another question to ask is what types of instruments were you able to utilize when composing Sirens? Well, I did... Uh, I did the basis of it uh, with uh, samples and synths. And then I took the uh, cello, violin, horn, and flute parts and um, transcribed them. And then those are all actual musicians playing. So I guess you would call it electroacoustic music. I, I don't know what the genre is, which is sort of a problem, but that's just the way it is. So it, it doesn't neatly fall into any genre. But um, I wanted to do, whereas with Rough Magic, I just used so many samples and weird things and instruments I created that you could never perform it live. This one I thought, well, maybe at some point you could transcribe this for a small orchestra. And, a, and some vocalists. So I wrote the whole thing in mind that you could have a couple of keyboard players, maybe three vocalists and four instruments, and you could actually take it on the road if that ever happened. I don't know that that'll ever happen, but I, I so, so I definitely, but I definitely didn't want to only use samples. So I brought in as many players as I, as I could on this. That's fantastic. That's really good. Um, so with your with your project on sirens, um, mm-hmm. how has that shaped your music thus far? Well, that's a hard question. I think I just always approach each project trying to find a unique sound for each project. So mm-hmm. you know, like like I said with Cheers, a bad bar band at two a.m. You know that was. Yeah. Once you say that, that's cheers. Mm-hmm. You're there. So I, every project I've ever done, I've done pretty much done that. And I, I guess the only thing I could say that's about Sirens is that not being a film score, I'm not tied. This is the second project I've done that was not related to a film. And so I'm not tied to the picture. I'm not tied, and, which is good and bad. I mean, we, you know, when you're writing music to a picture, it's a crutch in a way. You know, it's there. Mm-hmm. You have something. It's like a hanger. You can hang your coat on. But this is much more free. So I had to have my own discipline to write it. Uh, and I think I think also I'm just a more mature writer. I mean, you know, I'm much older than I was when I did Cheers. And I think I'm just much uh, much more uh, secure in myself right now. That's fantastic. Um, I, I just, I like to hear that insight from you because you've done so many different, uh, a wide variety of different projects from Le- The Last Starfighter to uh, Rima Williams and uh, Legend of Billie Jean and other- which was rock, Which was all rock and roll and yeah. Stints and electric guitars. Yeah. I'm a very eclectic writer. And so I've, I mean, Stand and Deliver was all like electronic Latino. 
um, warning sign in Elm Street were all totally electronic. Mm-hmm. Last Starfighter, of course, was Big Romantic Symphony. Uh, the music I did uh, for Wolfen was what we call aleatoric. Mm-hmm. You know, where the where the, it's there's no synths, but it's all sound oriented, becoming from a regular orchestra. So I, I tend to jump around a lot. I like mm-hmm. that. So that's just the way I am. Which is great. I mean, it makes for a, a nice uh, variety of being able to know what you can do, and it helps you to learn maybe what even you're capable of doing. Uh, one of the examples that I really found the last time that we had talked, you were talking about that you were going to be doing the project on scoring the music for the kid. Uh, oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. About. Yeah. I love doing that. And I wrote, I was commissioned to do that, and it was a chamber orchestra. So I wrote it for, I think, 13 or 14 players. And then there's an orchestra here that does uh, concerts all year round, but in the summer they do outdoor concerts we're all in the marina where all the boats are and it's beautiful they put a big tent up and people sit on the lawn and eat and drink and so that conductor wanted to do them so i re-orchestrated for a symphony mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun i love doing the kid that was a challenge too because there's no dialogue yeah. no sound effects there's there's absolutely you know it's just the music it's the music in the picture, and that's it. No laugh track, nothing. So, and it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I it had really never is. seen. I'd never seen the movie, and I, I was, I watched it and went, "Wow, this is like an amazingly good movie." Mm-hmm. It's really touching and funny, and really smart, and you know, I don't think I'd ever closely watched a Charlie Chaplin movie before that. Yeah, and it was surprisingly, like, I mean, it wasn't a super long movie. It was only, I mean, from what I saw, which I believe was the entire thing, but it was under an hour um, that was made, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, My phone is doing weird things. I can hear you, but I can't see you now. I guess that's okay. (laughs) I'm not sure. It says connecting. Ugh. You hate all this stuff. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Okay. Well, I can, I can hear you fine. So we oh, good, can get like that. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, it's about 57 or eight minutes long. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I love doing it. We're, uh, there's, there's a person in uh, New York right now who's trying to set up like a series of three or four concerts maybe next summer wow that's fantastic that i would conduct because it it really is fun to do it live to picture i mean that's really a blast and a challenge um so uh hopefully i'll get to do that next in a year well that's that's something to look forward to too yeah that'd be a lot of fun yeah it really is fun it's posted i mean it, it is on uh on YouTube and on my yep. website, if you want to see it, yeah. Yeah, and I believe it's also on Vimeo. Um, yeah, yes, I put it on Vimeo. Okay. Uh, then I put it on YouTube. I put it on my website, then I put it on YouTube, mm-hmm. 
And you can get it on YouTube in this country, but oddly enough, that that uh, film is still under copyright in Europe. So, mm, okay. so it's blocked. From my my understanding, is it's blocked in Europe. Huh. But oh well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, um, uh, Craig, I'm kind of curious because yes. you've done so many different genres, so many different styles, so many different kinds of projects. Is mm-hmm. there something someone could approach you with that would actually make you kind of nervous? I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this a long time, and uh, I've been through a lot. Not every situation is that pleasant, and you know everybody gets a score thrown out now and then. <clears throat> so, no, I just believe you just dig in and do it, and you do the best you can. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think if you worried about whether you could do something or not, you couldn't have a career doing it, being a film composer. Mm-hmm. I think it would stop. That would stop you. And I think you really have to just go. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. Nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes people like what you do and sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. But I guess as long as you've, you're making a living at it, you're doing enough right. That's sort mm-hmm. of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's a really good way of looking at it. And um, the thing that, that I'm always amazed at is that are you still, do you still do any teaching at any universities or colleges? Uh, you know, I've never really taught. Um, I did give a or class. Some seminars or something? Yeah, I gave a seminar at UC Santa Barbara about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Just, I was trying out something, and I have a friend who has a overall, like a, a lecture class uh, on film. And she said I could use one of her classes to try out some stuff. Yeah, I wanted to put together a class about why there's music in film and what music does in film. So even though films have become more realistic and CGI, you don't even know it's a computer anymore. Mm-hmm. Why is there still all this music? Yeah, I mean, music is unrealistic. Why is it still there more than ever? So that so the class was really what music does in film, and uh, it, I used a lot of examples. I showed film with like I showed parts of Psycho, but with different music than the Psycho music, just to oh. show them what like what it would do. And you know, it was interesting. It was fun, but I've never really taught very much. Was it uh, just was it just one class that you did yeah. that for? Okay. I did one class, like an hour and a half lecture class, and uh, we'll see if it turns into a big class. I, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not sure. Okay. I have no idea. Well, still, <laughs> you know, that's, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It would be. Um, in fact, it's interesting that you bring something like that, talking about music in film, because I have a panel this summer at. Comic Con regarding uh, soundtracks' role in nerdy movies, and Count. so <laughs> in what Comic Con? Yeah, at, at Omaha Comic Con. Yeah. Okay, because I think there's one right now, isn't there? But it's in, I think it's in Canada, maybe. I don't know. 
Oh, probably. There's so I was, many. I, I just got an email. Them. I just got an email from Nick Castle, who directed the last Starfighter. Yeah. And he's going to it. Oh, but wow. you know, he, he was also the the shape in uh, what was the movie? The John Carpenter movie, Halloween, was it? Uh, yes. Yeah. He's the shape. <laughs> the guy who directed Starfighter. He was, yeah. So he always goes to those things and signs autographs. That's great, though. Um, but yeah, you know, your your thoughts on that are really good because um, it's a lot of people don't really realize the impact that music actually has on film and how it can drive emotion. And you look at different examples and uh, right. even when looking back at your film score for The Last Starfighter, I mean, the way you bring out that main theme in so many different ways is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. No, I think, and if, and if you saw this class I did, you'd get a good feeling of it because you'd see what these scenes, like, you know, Lawrence of Arabia looks like without any music, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, or, or how about Dunkirk without music, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly makes for a different film. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, uh, well, um, one thing I'd like to ask is, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you have any future projects that you're actually currently working on that you can tell us about? Um, not really. I'm, okay. I'm, uh, this, I'm sort of trying to concentrate on the release of Sirens. It's being released. Yeah. basically right now mm-hmm. so we're going to be making a video of it i think next week we're going to do a video using dancers oh, like cool. like modern mm-hmm. dancers at the mm-hmm. at the ocean we're doing something so you know so i can post something on uh, youtube okay uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of people now eat their music at youtube rather than on <laughs> speakers that's true uh which is weird to me, of course, but that's the way, it's just the way it is. Uh, people listen to a lot of music on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I thought we'd make a video. So I've been working with a, uh, a director and some dancers. We're going to do that next. That should be done by the end of June. And then I may start my next project. So I have some ideas. Oh. I'm playing with some ideas of what the next project is, but, uh, I haven't really completely settled. I'm trying a few different things. I haven't settled on what I'm doing. So. That's okay. That's perfectly so that, That's right. sort of about as much as I can <laughs> say. Now, uh, for the video, uh, will there be a link on your website for it? Or will there yeah. be a video on your there'll website? Be a, there'll be, a link. There'll be a, a link on my website. I'll probably do an Instagram. I'll do a Facebook. Okay. Uh, the dancer has a lot of followers, so it'll probably be... On her okay. feed, her feed, you know, because she has like thousands of followers. I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll put it anywhere we can and see what happens, and hopefully, a lot of people will click on it. Yeah. If not, we'll. And if not, we'll invent imaginary people so we can say a lot of. Them. <laughs> well, I have you a can... whole box of imaginary people here next to me right now. So. <laughs> You can be sure that uh, when the episode for this interview comes out, uh, I'll post a link to your oh, great. site. So okay. that way people can't even check out that video because you said it'll be in, be done in about a month. 
right? Yeah, we're aiming to shoot it in a week, and then it'll take a little while to edit it. So we figure the end of June, beginning of July. All right. That sounds good. Sounds actually very workable. I can work with that. Oh, good. (laughs) So, uh, Craig, it's been such a great time to be able to interview you again. Uh, Second time on my show. This is so enjoyable and... I'm so glad you uh, were able to take the time to do that. So. Great. Okay. Erica, you haven't said very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm enjoying listening. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Craig. Okay. And, uh, you, have, easy. you have a good afternoon, okay? You too. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Yep. Thank you, Craig. There were many wonderful thoughts that Craig had regarding mythology and how the Odyssey moved him to compose this music. Uh, He also has done a lot of recent work with a film known as The Kid with Charlie Chaplin. And um, after playing a suite of music from Sirens, uh, we'll hear a little bit of that music that he composed for that. So the the cues that I've chosen are Circe's Island, uh, Ithaca Visions of Home, um, Melodious Discord, Poseidon, and then Icarus. Uh, Erica, what are your thoughts on these cues? Um, They are all fun. Um, (laughs) They were, some of them are kind of sweet and simple. Uh, Some of them are, uh, you can just like feel waves and wind blowing. Sometimes you kind of feel like, you know, you're inside a ship and like there's a storm outside and it's like any, anything that you feel when you hear the music is correct. Yeah. And I think, and I think that was kind of my defining feeling is like, I could describe each one in detail and another person could say something completely different and both of us would be right. <laughs> so I, I think you did a wonderful job at that is, is letting the person who's listening to it kind of come to their own conclusion as to what they're hearing. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing that I noticed is like, I was listening to it on my couch and I was, I had headphones on and for some reason, I felt like I was listen- I was hearing other sounds outside <laughs> from mm-hmm. the actual music, and there wasn't other sounds. It was mm-hmm. just the music, and I was like, "Wow, that's really effective." Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like ghost ghost tones, and what you're hearing are making you think that you're hearing more than yeah. what's actually there. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, some really unique tracks. So yeah, let's uh, go ahead and play those.
So I really enjoyed the entire album that Craig had shared with us, and I really appreciate his wide range of composing for this specific album. And sadly, we've come down to another end of Soundtrack Alley. Uh, Today, we'll play an excerpt from The Kid with music composed by Craig Safin. The whole piece of music is really, truly wonderful, and it was great to be able to put music and video to the presentation. And um, in the show notes, I'll also present the uh, link to the YouTube video that you can watch the full version of The Kid. And what we'll do is only play about a 15-minute suite of music that's from that actual program. So, uh, Erica, where can people find you? Yeah, the best place would be at my website, which is ericachristie.com. That's E-R-I-K-A-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-E.com. And you can find all my videos, podcasts, photographies, everything's on there. All right. Now, did you, ha- did you have a chance to listen to the music for the kid? I did, and there was a couple things that I really liked about it. Um, one, I've always been a sucker for Charlie Chaplin, so it was it was good to kind of sit down and see the kid again because I haven't seen it in a while. Um, and as most of us know, a lot of that uh, silent film era music was all just played on a piano. And so he, of course, had a big, huge score, but he would go back and forth. Like there would be times where it would just be like a little, you know, simple piano notes, and then it would explode into this full orchestra orchestra and in like Craig like really used like that you know dynamism in the music uh, to the best possible advantage if it was a big huge scene you'd get big huge instruments if it was a little funny scene you'd get just a piano and the going back and forth um, I was actually just like a huge huge fan of yeah I I really liked it too and I think that if a lot of people are a fan of Craig Saffin's work and what he's done in the past and what he's doing now, um, they should definitely go check out that video and watch the whole movie because it's only about an hour long. And Mm -hmm. it's really brilliant and uh, well-paced, and it has a lot of humorous uh, elements to it, but also a lot of heart. And that's Mm -hmm. what gets you about that film is it's just, it's, it has a lot of, heartfelt things in it uh, Mm -hmm. for the whole program. And he also got very giddy uh, when he talked about how much he likes uh, getting to conduct it live. Like like you could tell, it's just like a thing that he likes to do. And he just like lit up when he talked about how much fun he has doing that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be that type of composer to be able to really get that out. So... So yeah, it's it's just a really wonderful program. So um, I'd like to thank Alexander Shebel for composing Soundtrack Alley's theme music today. Uh, you can find his work at xanderscores.com. Find me on Facebook, Twitter at Soundtrack Alley, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. Uh, email me at soundtrackalley at yahoo.com. I hope you've, you all have really enjoyed this program and please rate and review the show and Also, I'd like to thank Craig Safin for uh, the interview, and it was just a pleasure to be able to get to talk to him again. Uh, It was great uh, the first time, and it was such a pleasure to be able to interview him again. 
And I hope everyone has a chance to watch that video of the kid. And so next, until next time, happy listening.
Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take the time to review my podcast on iTunes 
or even listen to it on Podbean. With your review, it helps me get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.